8.45, we can have a different view of a couple of issues. We will get on to lowering working hours in a minute. But first, President Moon Jae-in's special envoys to North Korea. They managed to meet with leader Kim Jong-un on day one and came home with a whole list of agreements that we were analysing earlier in the show. But political camps here have been certainly offering different evaluations on the results of the meeting. So let's get the local newspaper editorials. Uh, so, Yusu Sun, where do you want to start? Good morning to you. Morning. Um, I'd like to start with Hangugilbo. Um, it gave a positive assessment of the overall meeting, as many other um, local newspapers did. But it did say uh, it is too early to tell. Um, uh, because persuading the United States is the most critical part of the process, it said. And both the summit um, slated for April and improved ties between the two Koreas will um, mean nothing if Pyongyang and Washington fail to come to terms on um, the issue of denuclearization. Um, but it did say that it is a turning point for the two Koreas. Um, as um, many uh, media noted, it was the first official meeting um, publicly, publicly held um, with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un at uh, its government uh, office building, um, at the Workers' Party uh, building. And um, both Koreas gave a positive assessment of the meeting um, with the North Korea media describing as satisfactory and uh, Chung Ade, the presidential office here, um, saying it was not disappointing and uh, um, so it did... Uh, have a lot of significance, um, and another summit is um, awaiting for us. Um, regarding denuclearization, it said it, it did uh, prove a major milestone. Um, officially, the press in the North Korea said there will be loosened military tensions in the northern part of the peninsula. Um, but it was revealed um, through media that Kim Jong-un actually mentioned taking measures such as suspending um, testing of their missile programs. And um, the newspaper said, while this does not meet the United States demands for a complete, verifiable, um, irreversible dismantlement, this kind of statement to actively work toward denuclearization is meaningful. And it gives um, the North uh, and the U.S. something they can work on together. Um, although whether this will actually produce positive results depends on uh, the United States, it said. It also said um, it is a turning point for diplomacy um, for Korea. The effort needs to be directed at persuading Washington to lower um, its barriers for uh, holding the dialogue. Um, and uh, it did mention that the special envoys um, will make a visit to Washington soon and that uh, we need support from the international society, including China, Russia and Japan. I think no matter where one stands on this question, though, conservative, liberal, somewhere in between, uh, this has been a, a huge week, uh, a, a huge week of developments on the inter-Korean front. For sure. And people will be watching very closely to see if that summit actually goes ahead and, and then whether a meaningful change is possible. Um, and so much depends on the United States, but it's kind of unfair just to say, okay, US mm. sort this out. For example, if, if the answer is, as we heard earlier in the show, that the US has to pull out all of its troops from South Korea in order to achieve that denuclearization, is that going to be a price that anyone's willing to pay? Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people would be willing to pay that on this peninsula, but what percentage, what proportion. Um, what about the Kung Mielbo? 
Right. Um, it also expressed um, anticipation for the, the upcoming summit, a summit to produce further progress um, on the talk of denuclearization. Um, it also agreed that there have been positive results, uh, especially citing uh, the summits, um, as well as the hotline uh, that will be established between the two uh, Koreas, um, and said this will help reduce the tension in the Korean Peninsula. And um, that said that we may expect active interaction between the two Koreas. Um, it said the greatest development seen in this meeting is, of course, denuclearization. Um, the fact that Kim Jong-un stated his intention to talk and engage with the U.S. for denuclearization is um, a very uh, worthy of attention. Um, and the North Korea agreed not to launch or test missiles while these dialogues take place um, and said it will understand uh, that South Korea and U.S. will uh, hold these military drills later for April. Um, so it basically agreed that the grounds for um, further dialogue are now established. But it um, stressed that caution needs to be paid. Um, it is unprecedented for North Korea to give such a big welcome to South Korea's envoys. And um, this also means, that, um, ironically, that international sanctions on North Korea has been working and is working. And um, perhaps North uh, may be trying to use uh, its ties with South as a leverage to kind of... Um, offset these rising pressure and it questioned um, North Korea's real intention, whether it is trying to get the support uh, from the international society and then later and kind of strike again and, um, and, and go with this vicious cycle we've seen in the past. And lastly, also stress the importance of getting the um, United States on board. It certainly has been a cycle, hasn't it? And one can easily see how North Korea might be maximizing the timing. We also heard from mm -hmm. a guest earlier in the show who said that's perfectly natural. That's what, that's what countries around the world do. They make the most of, of situations as they present themselves. But, but again, this isn't just any old situation that's presenting itself. This seems to be the sole Washington relationship at stake, a, a state of affairs that has waxed and waned but largely remained intact for decades now and, and has been the basis of security on the southern half of the peninsula. Mm -hmm. Take that out of the picture. That has a profound impact. I think, you know, Again, what I said before, is the price too much to pay? Um, all of South Korea's links with the global community, mm -hmm. the expats happily living in Seoul and beyond, the business investment. What happens to that if you suddenly throw this peninsula into turmoil? I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen straight right. away, but it, it, that's the kind of thing that's at stake when we talk about the Seoul-Washington alliance. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not, If we, um, even if we do have this dialogue. Yeah, well, again, <laughs> perhaps that's being overly dramatic, but it's hard not to be dramatic when mm. we're seeing such a big change in such a short space of time. Right. Um, from a media perspective, it's absolutely fascinating, and we'll be watching this space. Let's talk as well about the National Assembly passing a bill to reduce maximum working hours from 68 to 52 hours a week. Also quite a big change. Um, and even though it's been discussed for a few years, President Moon praised the change, saying it's an important step in improving quality of life and creating jobs. But there is a division, isn't there, over the consequences? Yes, uh, there is. Um, and uh, first of all, Han Gyeo said uh, it is significant overall, um, and it is um, also very uh, sympathetic with the government um, generally. Um, it said. 
the revision will cut the maximum working hours to 52 a week for companies with uh, at least 300 employees starting uh, this July, if approved um, at a plenary session of the National Assembly, as expected. Um, And it did mention uh, that uh, since 2004, the Labor Standard Act in Korea um, did provide um, that legal working hours should be uh, 40 hours um, plus uh, 12 hours um, extension um, uh, maximum, excluding. Uh, but um, it was de facto 68 hours because the law allowed working hours to be extended up to 12 hours, um, excluding holidays and um, leaving Saturdays and Sundays open for more work. And now this uh, bill will uh, have provide that a week will equal seven days, um, including holidays and weekends, and thereby limiting the actual maximum working hours to 40 a week plus 12 hours of overtime. And um, it did uh, express disappointments that government Uh, allegedly passed the bill um, behind closed doors without consulting labor groups. And that's um, for companies with uh, the smaller companies, um, the law will be applicable later on. And this could have the effect of uh, further deepening the divide in the labor markets. Um, It also did uh, express disappointments with the inapplicability of double overtime pay during weekend um, and said this this measure was a step backwards for uh, this law. Um, What about the financial news, just to get another media reaction on that? Right, so uh, the financial news focused more on the measures to cushion the possible impacts um, and uh, measures to help smaller businesses, um, which uh, this law and this revision will affect greatly. Um, Overall, as said, reducing work hour is the right path to go for Korea, um, as it is notorious for long working hours, um, highest among OECD countries after Mexico. Um, and but it is a problem uh, that what naturally follows is lower wages, and um, the critical problem is to increase productivity uh, to offset this uh, reduction in wages. And um, so, importance, as said, is. Uh, to change the way we work or find a way to improve productivity and uh, proposed expanding flexible working hours in Korea to do so. Obviously, great concerns about the labour market divisions that exist within the labour market, the idea that they will be deepened, as the Hungary said before, but also um, being very aware of the OECD comparison. And as far as that comparison is concerned, in the longer run, I guess the hope will be we'll work fewer hours and be more productive. And yes. still get paid the same or more, but hopefully. <laughs> but you can imagine when once everything's shaken up, that you know the cards aren't all going to fall perfectly like that, and mm-hmm. there'll be a few winners and losers, presumably. Uh, Yusu Sun, with our different view segment today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex.